There are several definitions of a den. A wild animal's hidden home, a lair, a room or hideout where a person can go to relax or be private, a place where people meet in secret, typically to engage in an illicit activity. Now there's a new definition, a place where DIB members, entrepreneurs and decision makers unite during the coronavirus challenge. To help our business community through this challenge, DIB is creating the Downtown Den, where our business heroes, those who run and influence our cities and some of our fantastic members will be visiting to share their thoughts and opinions with us through webinars, podcasts and blogs. Visit the Downtown Den, join us through our website, all the W's, downtowninbusiness.com. Stay in, stay safe, visit the Downtown Den. Okay, welcome to the latest Downtown Den and our focus uh, again on this occasion is the hospitality sector in, in Liverpool. Liverpool City region, of course, relies very heavily on its visitor economy and um, we've got... Um, or a little guest just walked into the room there. She's disappeared now. Um, the city region relies very heavily on the visitor economy. Uh, its regeneration over the past 10 years has been built on it, really. And is Liverpool's now the, uh, the best visited city in the UK outside of London and Edinburgh. So clearly that sector is hugely important to the future economy of uh, this location. And um, I'm going to just talk to some of the key players and personalities from uh, the hospitality sector. So we've got Marcus McGee, who's the general manager of the Hilton Hotel. Paul Askew from the Art School. Uh, Chris Brown's joined us from Marketing Liverpool. Bill Addy from Liverpool Big Company. And Steve, Stephen Hesketh uh, from the Richmond Hotel and Savvy Hotel Group. Uh, good evening, chaps. Good evening, Frank. Good, evening. Good, evening. Good, to, good to see you all in, in rude health and, and looking as though you're avoiding the virus, hopefully. Marcus, can I come to you first? Because the Hilton uh, has been really hard hit, as most hotels have, of course. Um, and just talk us through what the experience has been like over the past couple of weeks. Well, as you're a manager of the Hilton Liverpool, also joint chair of the Hospitality Association, that we're all very aware of the challenges that the sector has faced over the last few weeks. It's unprecedented times. I think the, the key factor is that we've heard some excellent commitment from uh, national government and that what our members and what businesses in the sector want to see is how these commitments are coming to fruition at local level. We've seen a lot of our hotels that are now closed. And obviously when that happens, the biggest issue is cash flow. And that is exactly the biggest challenge that all businesses have and how we're looking to the authorities to support, in particular, the smaller businesses. Because there's no doubt that the feedback from uh, our members is that if this issue is not addressed very, very quickly, then there is a huge risk that a lot of businesses are going to go out of business. And that is something that our sector and our city, from an economic perspective, cannot afford to do. Uh, and obviously, it's appreciated that we have opportunities like this to, to voice uh, on behalf of our sector and also, Frank, from downtown to be able to support us in getting our messages through to the appropriate people. I'm also very aware of the support we've had from 
local council and everybody on this on this call. Uh, but I think the key message out there is we need action and we need action quickly. Okay. Marcus, just before uh, I ask Paul to come in, um, I know you've been very concerned about your own staff and that's obviously going to be your priority, but you were mentioning this morning about your <clears throat> supply chain as well and how difficult it's been managing that situation. Well, when any business is in challenge, we all have uh, stakeholders in our business that have been loyal to us over the years. And the, the critical factor to us is, as we've said, cash flow, and that goes for any business. So that is something that is obviously very important to us, and we need to ensure that we do everything we can at local level to ensure that the, the cash flow issue is dealt with, because otherwise, it's not just our businesses suffer, it's the, as you've alluded to, the supply chain that will suffer just as badly. Uh, Paul Askew, Paul Askew from the Art School. Um, can, can I just ask you to focus, Paul, on the engagement you've had with the financial institutions? Because I think it'd be fair to say you've not really been impressed. <laughs> no, I have not, Mr McKenna, no. Um, well, as you know, we spoke this morning, I think the big problem in all of this is yes the package from government is is astonishing and uh, off the scale in terms of whatever's been done before but the devil is in the detail and it's how quickly we can get this money and this liquidity back to the small companies and SMEs um, that we represent at the hospitality association I'm, I'm one of them and um, you know we're, we're all right maybe for this payroll um, but when we get to April May moving forward if this system hasn't kicked into gear then of course we're in the hands of the gods in terms of the banks and in, in my particular instance I want to talk about the insurers in all of this mm. and I think you know for, for me personally to to have a policy where infectious disease is actually written in to the document and I know many members of the association have come to me and said that they have similar policies but the fact that COVID-19 is not one of the listed diseases is the loophole in which the insurers are trying not to pay us. Now, how could we possibly have written the name of a disease in a document when it didn't exist? Yeah. And to me, it stinks to high heaven. And of course, if the insurers are held accountable and the government intervenes as we think they should, then there is less pressure on people like me and Marcus and Stephen and all the other operators to go to the bank and borrow money. We don't want to borrow any more money. We've, had, we've got enough, you know, we didn't, we didn't do this, this is none of our doing, and we don't want to be burdened with further borrowing, whether it's interest-free or not. And of course, we're hearing that the PGs and things like this are in place. I know you've got some news on that. But for me, if the insurers are held uh, over a barrel, which is what they should be, with a legal binding document and instruction from the government, then that will inject automatically an awful lot of money back into the uh, economy, which we all desperately need. And as Marcus says, if that doesn't come in, then you start affecting every link in the chain, um, right from the suppliers down to the taxi drivers, down to you name it, everybody is affected by that. So for me, that's the biggest issue at the moment. Of course, we've got the local grants and we've got the funding uh, regarding the 80% furlough, et cetera, et cetera. I've heard this, this afternoon, by the way, that that might not even get paid out till the end of May. Yes, I understand that's going to be the case, Paul, actually. So um, I, I think that's really urgent now. You know? Yeah. Um, th thanks, th thanks for that roundup. And, and Stephen, may I come to you now? And I know that 
you would share the views that have been expressed by Paul and Marcus, but equally, um, you've had some other challenges as well, and uh, largely as a result of uh, our friends at Booking.com. Yes, well, we, we remain open as an apart hotel. We have remained open due to our long-stay residents, and we've also um, stayed open for key worker um, bookings as well. We are obviously working on a very reduced uh, staffing level, which brings its own challenges uh, anyhow as such. But we're trying to, to power on through. And like the guys have said, there's been numerous challenges with monetary coming through. And then, yes, sadly this morning, uh, it's a bit of a bit of a kick to the shin that Booking.com now have turned around and decided to uh, put out a statement saying that between this shutdown period that the government has announced, that all prepaid uh, bookings should be fully refunded, which again, from a cash flow point of view, uh, just absolutely cripples us, uh, particularly us smaller independent ones that, you know, rely on on, on our, you know, we, we cash flow very, very tightly, unfortunately. Yeah. So it's a, a huge, another challenge we didn't see coming, you know, as if I was only on your show, what, a week ago, Frank, yeah. and this week has been the longest week of my life. <laughs> so, <laughs> It's, yeah. uh, as, as soon as you think you're planning this, then something changes and your plans are totally scuppered. Uh, cash is by far king and, you know, from refunds to suppliers to your team. And again, we remember whilst, whilst we have put numerous of the team on, on this 80% um, benefit, which is fantastic. In this industry, we know there's a lot of zero hour contracts and they at this moment in time don't fit into that. So that's a huge stress on them, stress on us, because we don't want to see great team members without hours and without pay because they're used to doing 20 hours a week or 25 hours a week. And, and, and again, we've all been caught short with thinking that they, there would be some cover. Uh, insurance, I can only echo Paul. It's a disgrace. The bank loans, again, I can only but echo that everything wants a GP, uh, sorry, a, a personal guarantee, which again is out of the equation for a small business like myself. Uh, now, Mr. Brown, I know you'll have been hearing lots of these stories because Marcus in Liverpool are at the forefront of dealing with businesses across yeah. the city and engaging with uh, the hospitality sector and others. So uh, tell us how Liverpool City Council are coping because, again, one of the things that I found a little baffling was that these grants are being... Uh, sort of announced and businesses have been told well your local authority will be in touch now I don't know what the local authorities in Boris Johnson's constituency run like Chris and yeah. whether they've had the same sort of cutbacks that we've had to suffer <clears throat> in Liverpool by our austerity but I wouldn't have thought our resource at the council is big enough to get to the many thousands of businesses that we need to at the moment with those grants and and so how are you handling the avalanche of calls that you must be taking at the moment well i think i mean clearly none of us would have uh, envisaged this uh, the situation to the scale it's turned out to be and i think it's uh, it's clearly demonstrated that the uh, the cutting back of local resources authority resources not just in the in the council across health services and others yeah. is now coming home to roost in terms of the fact that there just isn't the 
the, the, the quality or the, or the quantity of people to pick up a crisis like this and deal with it as quickly as everybody would want to. And, and I think everybody is clearly, I think, uh, got the message very clear that, that actually the challenge now is about uh, how at local level do you deliver um, national agendas. So the, the cash flow challenge has been known now for a while. Government did address that. Um, but they have not addressed it sufficiently quickly enough to ensure that the mechanisms to get it through local authorities has been made clear and, 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 and succinct enough in order to enable the local authority to then connect to the businesses to say, this is exactly how we're going to do this. Uh, and I think that's the gap at the moment. And I know uh, colleagues in the council are working very hard at that at the moment because they know that's where the communication challenges. But they too uh, are waiting for, for effective communication from the centre in order for them to pass on accurate information. Because the worst thing they could do at the moment is pass on duff information that then adds even more confusion into this as it currently stands. I think, I think clearly in, in addition to that, bridging of the of the national local level i think you know it's it's also a thing about making sure you know what we're doing is working with a series of other destinations around the uk in order to put pressure on to the likes of visit britain and dcms to keep the agenda moving uh in terms of the necessity of saying if you don't move quickly on this you'll have no sector to, to be part of a recovery plan we can think about a recovery plan but a recovery plan is only as good as being able to build it around the businesses that made the sector what it is today um, and if we don't get this bit right over these next uh, these next few weeks then uh, we won't have the businesses that were there prior to this all kicking off to help us through that recovery period so i do think that we are now in a really critical phase now um, and I, I, you know i think it's not a question of uh, you know somebody else you know i think saying well we're in charge of it they're in charge of it i think the communications gap is where where the challenge is about getting clear and transparent instructions about how the money, once it comes into local authorities, is going to be distributed to the businesses and how quickly and effectively. And I think as soon as they get that information, I think from the center, they will, they will seek to do that. And I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Chris, really, in terms of us all welcoming the announcements that the government has made. But now it's about delivery. And I think, Bill, you know, you are, um, we know, chief executive of the Liverpool bid company, but you also chair national bid. So this isn't an exclusive problem, of course, to our city. It's something that right across the country, businesses are grappling. Stepped up in terms of getting involved in security, getting involved in trying to signpost people to the right places for advice and support. And not only the hospitality sector and those guys that you represent, but retailers as well. Uh, what's your view of the situation at the moment? Oh, thanks on that, Frank. As you say, yeah, I'm chief executive of the two Liverpool bid companies, but I also chair the national organisation, uh, the Bid Foundation UK, which is part, uh, we represent about 85 of bids uh, right across the UK, Wales, Northern Ireland, Scotland <coughs> and England. It's interesting that in the devolved powers, they're moving a little bit quicker. Uh, particularly Wales and Scotland, in the, in the way that they're providing support. Bids work on the basis that, that we are a statutory organisation, but a statutory organisation controlled by the businesses uh, in the centre who pays the levy. But of course, uh, central government have said there's going to be a business rate holiday for uh, hospitality sectors, 
there's an issue around bid levy, but we'll come to that later and we'll deal with that later. Our key role at the moment, and I've come off a webinar today where we had over, over 50 business improvement districts. We've all got the same issues really, but how do we get this information to our levy payers? And how do we get the cash, which is the immediacy around it? Bids are used to um, sort of managing and coordinating disparate groups, different sectors, uh, and bringing them together to raise footfall, to increase security and safety, you know, the greening issues that we all do. Of course, we're having to shift all that around. One of the prime one is the connectivity. And then alongside connectivity, we're also actually stepping into some voids. Uh, so here in Liverpool, we've set up an operations group that will be connecting all of the business retailers together. We've already got that via WhatsApp, but we're moving on to uh, Zoom communications, linking in Merseyside Police, because we know a lot of people, and most people are move, have moved out of the city centre. I get, the, I get the footfall figures. And if I can tell you where the footfall figures are at this moment in time, um, I, I was speaking to one of my colleagues on a national level who was telling me that um, in the UK they were down 20% weekend before last. Across Europe they were down 80%. Uh, Liverpool footfall figures at this moment in time has dropped 45%. That was Sunday. Just on Sunday alone in the city centre, normally we would expect uh, over 100,000. There were 39,000. That was Sunday. I haven't seen today's, but I know where they'll be because I've seen some of the images. So we've got security issues that we're dealing with to support businesses because all of the businesses that have closed, we know have those security issues. We've heard even from uh, our colleagues on the panel, Stephen, this morning talking about break-ins and theft from his hotels. So we're raising that. And that's something different than we, we normally provide those covers, but not in such uh, in the way that we are doing. So it's having to respond on a daily basis. It's having to communicate with our teams on a daily basis and communicate with each other. The fact that we've been able to set up the, the business grouping that we set up very quickly. In fact, if you remember, we had our first meeting a week on Monday. It was the last time I think we saw each other in person. And we said, how are we going to cope with this? And now we, we know what the issues are. The issues are getting cash to our businesses. And you're going to pick up on later on conversations you've had. And then it's also starting to plan recovery because... I said, I said on television this week, we will recover from this. We will come back stronger. It's about how we can support all the businesses to enable them to come back stronger. Particularly concerned about self-employed, but I understand we may hear something tomorrow about the self-employed and, and the smaller businesses. And particularly concerned, obviously, about uh, independent small businesses. We have a great, great hospitality sector um, in this city, in the city region. And it needs businesses of all sides to be successful and to survive through this process period to be able to come back to a recovery. We had our Elven, I chair also um, the Liverpool Visitor Economy Network this week. We had our Elven on Tuesday, which was bringing together all of the parties from the football clubs, the hoteliers, the cathedrals, the airports, mm -hmm. the Albert Dock, Liverpool One, all of those, and the museums, all talking, same issues, care for staff, security of buildings how do we how do we get cash and how do we talk about recovery the one thing I've, I've said to a lot of people this week though i think how we communicate with each other during this period we need to ensure we replicate it as we move forward because i believe this will be vital as we move forward and i believe you know that there are some good coming out of all of this anyway over to you friend. Right. sorry bill i'm just you know i'm conscious that that 
Marcus is obviously waiting to go and do his audition for the next James Bond. And, uh, <laughs> and he does look good, by the way. Um, He's just got but, off the same bed there. But, so I want to move us on to, to, you know, what we can practically do and what we are practically doing to help our businesses because that's where really downtown is, is, uh, is interested and that's our space. So following the call that we had this morning where these stories were were relayed to, to, to me. I got uh, an email quickly to Joe Anderson, the mayor of the city, Steve Rotherham, the city region mayor, and Alison McGovern, who is a, a Merseyside MP, but more importantly in this context, sits on the Treasury Select Committee of the Commons. She's escalated those um, issues to, to the Chancellor and to the Treasury officials. And Joe, I think, um, talk about stepping up to the mark, you know, said to me, phone me within five minutes of getting that email this morning and said, Frank, I'm talking to the banks today. I understand and appreciate the pressure businesses are under. Uh, PG is not acceptable. And what he's offered to the banks and what he's negotiating with the banks is that the city council will act as a guarantor for businesses in the city. Now, I think that is an absolutely fabulous initiative and one that should be replicated right across the country uh, because local authorities, as we know, those strapped for cash do have very strong borrowing powers. And the point that Joe made to me today, because he's, he's a practical sort of guy and he understands how politics works. And he said, Frank, we know that the money is there, but we equally know that the delivery processes at the moment aren't satisfactory. So we'll give the money out now and we'll have the arguments after. <clears throat> and I think, Marcus, you, you'll have welcome that message from Joe Anderson this morning. Absolutely. I think that the one thing I've really felt in this city for the last 10, 11 years, that when there is uh, a challenge that all the relevant stakeholders stand up and are counted, I think we have a major opportunity to show that the city and the city region respect the visitor economy sector and that when times are tough, prepared to stand up and support and make things happen because at the end of the day a lot of this is all about credibility it's not just about promising it's about delivering yeah totally and i think joe's trying to cut out an awful lot of bureaucracy and red tape there paul yeah and the other thing is paul just coming to your point about the insurance companies yeah i've spoke to to various media outlets today and i'm saying look you know back in 2008 and um, I know, Paul, you weren't old enough to remember this, but um, the government did produce what I think was a fairly, a fairly comprehensive package of measures at that time. But lots of businesses that we know at that time, mate, went bust despite that package of measures being effectively. And I'm saying that the government and perhaps even local government and Joe Anderson, I think, would definitely be up for this should be really holding banks and insurance companies and financial institutions uh, to account mm -hmm. and if necessary threatening class action absolutely well the, sorry is... paul are you able to hear me yes i am yeah um this is something that you know i've discussed with other members that have come forward with similar stories to myself and and to be honest we were looking at doing a class action ourselves but Obviously, having the clout of local government or even uh, central government behind it would be an absolute uh, dream. And in my opinion, mm. couldn't even get that far anyway, because as we all know, if legal action 
starts, then it could be two, three years before anybody sees any money. And what we need is uh, a clinical government decision which puts the money straight in there right now, no messing about, let's move on. You know, and, and that's, that's really the ideal outcome. But I, I welcome what Joe has put forward and I think it's, uh, it's absolutely a cracking move. As we talked about this morning, it's about you know, asking the questions later getting the liquidity into the system now to protect these businesses so that we're not picking up the pieces and seeing people on the dole queue. Frank, just picking up on that point. Chaps, I'd love to talk more on that. I know there's lots more that we could say, but I'm conscious that uh, the bandwidth is, at least on my laptop, is saying it's low. So, Bill, quick final word from you. I was just going to say one final word. The government have put the money to the banks, but the government are also providing 80% of the guarantees so what's the excuse? There's lots of businesses that are trying to take advantage of this situation. We know that when we come through there, it'll change people. The way we do business with certain businesses, we don't need to say who they are at this moment in time, but the, the day will come for the ethical businesses who are working correctly will, will be the people that will survive. Absolutely. Yeah. Cheers, Bill. Listen, lads, thanks very much for joining me. It's been a motley crew. Uh, I do apologise to our viewers who are looking for some gender balance. We did uh, invite uh, a couple of females uh, onto uh, this webinar today, but unfortunately they weren't available. I'm sure we'll uh, balance it out over the course of the next few weeks. And uh, we'll talk again in the morning, I think, chaps, to see what the, uh, the latest is. And we'll be joined in our uh, morning business leaders session by the Chamber of Commerce and the FSB as well. Well, thanks for your time tonight. I'll let you uh, escape our downtown den and go and meet some of the challenges that you've got and hopefully uh, have as good an evening as you possibly can during these challenging times. Thanks, Frank. Cheers, Thank Frank. you. Cheers. 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 Thanks, Cheers. 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 Cheers.